Watch and listen to the talking news every day at 12 noon and 6 p.m. on channel 96, Comcast Xfinity, and channel 30, Verizon Fios. It can also be heard Mondays and Tuesdays at 4.30 p.m. and Wednesday at 12.30 p.m. on Channel 9 Xfinity and Channel 29 Fios. Listen anytime on the BMC Podcast Network on SoundCloud and iTunes. Just search for the Belmont Media Podcast Network. And now on to the talking news. Dunkin' Donuts approved by Angela Toma and Joanna K. Zavallis. After more than two years, Nicholas Leo, owner of 344 Pleasant Street, got his application for a special permit to operate a fast food restaurant approved by the Zoning Board of Appeals on May 14th. Leo plans on constructing a 3,516-foot building separated into three retail spaces, one of those spaces will be a Dunkin' Donuts. On January 2016, Leo applied for a special permit from the Zoning Board of Appeals to open a 1,600-square-foot, 21-seat Dunkin' Donuts in the development. His application was rejected, with opposing board members citing concerns about insufficient parking and traffic impact. In response, Leo filed a civil complaint with the Middlesex County Superior Court against the Zoning Board. On September 2017, both parties agreed that Leo would file a revised proposal for the Zoning Board's consideration. In the meantime, Leo went back to the Drawing Board with a new application submitted to the Planning Board for a commercial building with three retail spaces. The new proposal has reduced the size of the Dunkin' Donuts by 514 square feet and reduced in-house seating from 21 to 15. It has also approved a revised traffic study. In September 2017, the Planning Board approved the application for the new building subject to conditions and review by Belmont's Town Council. The major condition is related to traffic. Leo must retain a traffic engineer to conduct a level of service study of the Brighton-Pleasant Street intersection at the time he receives his certificate of occupancy using standards prescribed by the commission. Traffic flows would be, sub would be surveyed in the morning and evening rush hours once the, once the certificate of, of occupancy was received and again 12 months later. If the level of service has deteriorated, he must return to the planning board for remediation. In November 2017, Leo filed a new application for a special permit for a fast food restaurant from the zoning board. The board has been hesitant to approve Leo's special permit because of traffic concerns from the area's residents. In February, Leo requested a motion of continuance to further address the community's concerns. The board requested three things, a peer review of the traffic analysis submitted by the applicant, confirmation that the 75% pass-by rate utilized in the traffic study is in conformity with industry standards, and a gap analysis 
in to access whether friction generated by the site could be handled by gaps in the traffic system. Leo's attorney, Joseph Noon, presented their findings on Monday night's meeting. Michael Santos acted as the peer reviewer of the traffic analysis originally performed by DCI. He found that DCI completed the report in a professional manner and in accordance with industry standards. Santos continued, uh, concluded that the traffic generated from the site will not have any negative impact on the surrounding roadways or the town. He also assessed concerns regarding site safety and found that the site as designed and planned is safe. With regards to the board's second request, a pass-by trips are of subset of trip generation. They are folks already on the road who stop into the business because it is convenient and then continue on their way. Leo's traffic study used a 75% bypass, meaning that of the total trips generated, 75% are deducted by vehicles already on the roadway. Using this percentage, the traffic study found no effect on the level of service at the Brighton intersection. The board requested confirmation that this percentage conformed to traffic industry standards. Santos confirmed that 75% is the precedent. It is important to note that even with lower bypass rates of 25% and 50%, the level of service did not change, Santos said. The board also had concerns over whether vehicles coming in and out of the site would create further friction on the roadway. The traffic study already confirmed no change in the level of service and the gap analysis supported this finding. Noon asserted that Leo had more than adequately shown that the proposal would not have any negative impact on traffic. Without finding any empirical evidence of a negative impact on traffic, Noon said, the board is obliged to vote in favor of the applicant. And now on to Claire. Thank you, Bob. Touring the New High School Virtually by Christy Armstrong. Belmont got its first glimpse inside the future high school last week when attendees of the May 8th Belmont High School Building Committee meeting had a virtual reality tour of the current design for the new school building. The meeting, a joint session between the building committee the school committee and the Board of Selectmen also included about 50 community members in the audience. The committee has been meeting frequently with project designer Perkins and Will as they prepare for the preferred schematic de design to be submitted to the Massachusetts School Building Authority in July for the new grade 7 through 12 high school building intended to accommodate 2,215 students. The total square footage of the building will be approximately 445,100 square feet. The cost per square foot will be approximately $533.80, bringing the total project estimated cost to $295,000,000. $824,624. Belmont's estimated contribution is now 
$910,222. Virtual Reality Tour. The virtual reality tour was shown to attendees on the meeting room's video screen, led by Patrick Cunningham from the Belmont High Building Projects architectural firm of Perkins & Will. The tour began with the interactive image of the new high school's front doors. Cunningham then used the virtual reality system to take viewers through these doors and into the main area of the new building. Attendees were able to experience a student's <coughs> point of view, going up stairways and traveling through eating areas, the library, media commons, the makerspace and hallways for both upper and lower schools, as well as look out the windows to the outdoor South Plaza space and clay pit pond. Attendees were also given the opportunity to try out the virtual reality setup for themselves using the equipment set up in the Chenery Cafeteria. Participants donned the virtual reality headset and told Cunningham who manned the controls where in the main section of the high school building they wanted to go, or whether they wanted to go outside or above the building. Onlookers could also view what was being seen through the goggles on a video screen nearby. The virtual reality walkthrough is a fantastic tool. It was really helpful to put on the goggles and look around and get a sense of what it might feel like to be in the new space, said building committee member Diane Miller. Now, here's Bob. Thank you, Claire. Two possible sites for new recreation center facility. Proposal for a 65,000-square-foot mixed-use facility presented to the school committee by Joanna K. Tisvelis. Belmont Youth Hockey has a proposal for a brand-new 65,000-square-foot mixed-use athletic center to replace the deteriorating Skip Viglarolo skating ring located on the Belmont High School campus, 297 Concord Ave. Board member Robert Mulroy presented the concept at a recent school committee meeting and will be presenting it to the Board of Selectmen on May 22nd. The new facility would include a 12-month NHL-sized rink, a multi-purpose recreation space with a half rink and field house, eight locker rooms, additional parking, 160 to 180 spaces, a new entrance drop-off with handicapped spaces and expanded off-street parking, which would support the facility as well as the athletic fields pool, and Belmont High School activities. According to Mulroy, an engineering assessment determined the current rink built in 1971 determined it is obsolete. Its mechanical systems are at risk for catastrophic failure, and the structure is not up to current code, making it a candidate for rebuild, not renovation. Two possible locations. In September 2015, Belmont Youth Hockey presented a concept for a new rink but was asked by the school committee to put things on hold until the site plan and design for the new high school was underway. Now that the basic design for the new high school building has been chosen and its location determined, Belmont Youth Hockey would like to move forward with their proposed plans, but first they need the town to grant the land. There are two possible sites for the project. 
the current site where the rink is now located on the high school campus, or the incinerator site, 25 acres of town-owned land surrounded by conservation land tucked away off of Concord Ave heading towards Lexington. Mulroy said there are both pros and cons to both sites. It's like choosing between chicken and salmon or salmon and steak. Both are good options that provide an upgrade over the facilities we have today, said Mulroy. The pros for the high school site are the convenience for the BHS hockey team not to have to be bussed or driven to the incinerator site, as well as the amenities it would add for civic uses, such as additional parking for the town pool and library uses. The pros of the incinerator site are a bigger facility could be built, 80,000 square feet, with two full-size ice surfaces and a lot more parking spaces. There's also the potential for a solar farm on the roof of the facility at the incinerator site. However, Mulroy said they're still in the very early stages and have only done a site survey. More time will need to be spent to determine what else could go on the site. Youth Hockey Would Fund Project. Belmont Youth Hockey would fund the construction for the new athletic center through a public-private partnership with the town, similar to the bead pool and gym in Concord. The town would lease the land to Belmont Youth Hockey, who would be responsible for building the facility, funding it, and running it for 30 years. Belmont Youth Hockey would secure private financing for the project and pay off the loan by charging user fees. In 30 years, when the loan is paid off, the town would have the option to continue the contract with Belmont Youth Hockey, who would continue to run it or take over the facility and run it on its own. Mulroy said it will take 15 months to build once the shovel goes into the ground. And now back to Bob. Thank you. Interim High School Principal Appointed. Mary Peterson, Director of Human Resources for Belmont Public Schools, announced that Thomas L. Brow is the newly appointed interim principal of Belmont High School. He will begin his new role on July 1st. In an email to parents on May 9th, Peterson said Brow had a long and distinguished career in education, serving in multiple roles with the Melrose Public Schools over 32 years, including principal of the middle school for 17 years. Prior to assuming the uh, role of principal, Tom served as a middle school assistant principal, chair of the social studies department, and as a social studies teacher. During his tenure in Melrose, Brow was asked to serve as interim principal of Belmont High School for one year. After retiring from Melrose Public School in 2014, Brow joined the Belmont Public Schools first as interim assistant principal of the Chenery Middle School, then as an, as an interim prince, uh, assistant principal of the Belmont High School, and as an instructional leadership coach in the district. During the 2017-2018 school year, Tom had been an assistant principal part-time at Belmont High School. Over the course of his career, Brow has received numerous awards and distinctions and has made a significant contribution to the field of education. During his tenure in Melrose, 
Brown led a multiple school building projects uh, and expansion initiatives. We are delighted that Tom has agreed to serve as interim principal of the Belmont High School for the 2018-2019 school year. The depth, of, the depth of his professional experience and his familiarity with the district with Belmont High School will serve the students and staff well in the coming year, said Peterson in the email. On February 5, Belmont High School Principal Daniel Richards announced he is leaving his position in an email to parents. His last day will be June 30th. As of July 1st, he will become the new principal of Georgetown Middle slash High School, a grade 7 through 12 school with 800 students. And now over to Claire. Thank you, Bob. Community joins forces to save Stone Hearth Pizza by Joanna K. Zavallis. When Jerry Dickhout, owner of Champions Sporting Goods and president of the Belmont Center Business Association, learned Stonehearth Pizza, 57 Leonard Street, was in danger of closing, he rallied support from the community to save it. Lamarck Del Liano Silva, who started as a cook at Stonehearth when it first opened in 2005, told Dickhout it was in danger of closing last year. As the previous owner, Jonathan Swartz, closed all of its other locations in Alston, Hing Hingham, Winchester, Cambridge, and Needham. Together, Silver and Dickhout recruited several other partners to join their new ownership team. They are Frank and Lisa Castaño, David and Ann Szymanski, and Carlos, Lisa, and Nathan Delano Silva. One man's trouble is another man's opportunity, said Frank, whose wife, Lisa, owns Revolve in Belmont and didn't want Belmont Center to lose Stonehearth. Lamarck said Stonehearth has become like his family, and he cares about the loyal, regular customers who make up 75 to 80 percent of the business. Longtime employees like waitress Nancy Murphy are the heart and soul of Stonehearth, he said. Our crew is phenomenal, said Lamarck. He also takes great pride in the Stonehearth menu. It's not just a pizza place. It's a full-service restaurant offering an organic menu featuring locally grown ingredients and gluten-free options, he said. Changes since the new owners took over include a new floor, paint, updated lighting, and a new refrigerator. Frank said, this is just the beginning. They have many future plans, including adding a bar and doors that open out to the sidewall for alfresco sidewalk dining. They also may be opening for a brunch on Sundays. This summer, Stonehearth will be selling pizza at the Underwood Pool daily, 11 a.m. to 3. And now, here's Bob. Thank you, Claire. Meet Belmont Lights' new general manager by Joanna K. Tuzvelis. Belmont Lights' newly hired general manager, Christopher Roy, will officially start his new role May 14th with an annual salary of $175,000, according to Shauna Walsh, Belmont Human Resources. The Belmont Light Board unanimously voted in favor of appointing Roy Concord Municipal Light Plant's assistant director as Belmont 
Flight's new general manager subject to a successful negotiation of a contract following his public interview on April 9th. Acting General Manager Craig Spinelli was also a final candidate and publicly interviewed April 9th. Roy has been the assistant director of the Concord Municipal Light Plant since 2013. Prior to that, he was the interim telecommunications coordinator for Concord Municipal Light Plant from 2011 to 2013. Engineering and Operations Manager from 2010 to 2013, and Electrical Engineer from 2009 to 2010. Before joining Concord Municipal Light Plant, Roy worked for NSTAR Electric and Gas as a Substation Operations Supervisor from 2005 to 2009. The Citizen Herald recently had the opportunity to ask Roy a few questions to help the community get to know him a little better. What are you looking for most about your new position with Belmont Light? I'm really looking forward to helping the Belmont com community achieve its vision for the future. BMLD can serve as the foundation for climate goals, adoption of new technologies, and as a trusted advisor for all energy issues facing our citizens and business. I will strive to assure BMLD is the model utility for community support, climate resiliency, and system reliability. What do you think your greatest challenges will be in your new role? The most immediate challenges facing this position are primarily financial. There are several large initiatives such as the new high school the substation project, and carbon reduction goals that are poised to put financial pressure on the community at large. Um, and on to Bob. Thank you. Camel rides, car show, dog show, and more planned for town day. Belmont Savings Bank recently is the major sponsor of Belmont Town Day to be held from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. on June 2nd. Town Day is a community-wide event that features a number of Belmont Savings-sponsored activities, including a car show, cash cube, camel rides, pony rides, and a dog show. Be sure to stop by the Belmont Citizen Herald booth on Town Day to get your photo taken on the mock front page. Plus, have the opportunity to meet senior multimedia journalist Joanna Zavallis and freelancers Angela Toma and Christy Armstrong. Many other businesses and organizations are participating by having boots and giving away prizes. Belmont Savings' fifth annual dog show will begin at noon on the main stage. Best in Show will be selected by three judges from local veterinary offices and pet stores. To enter the dog show and Facebook contest, send an email to marketing at belmontsavings.com with, with the following details. Your name, town you live in, name of your dog, dog breed, dog's age, and photo of dog. Each entrant receives a gift bag up to $30 in value Participants entering before May 10 will have their dog's photo posted on the bank's Facebook page 
where people can vote for their favorite dog. The photo with the most likes by the start of the dog show on Town Day will win both the honor of being named Facebook Favorite 2018, 2018 as well as a prize. Best in Show will receive a certificate and Facebook Favorite winner will receive a special prize in addition to their gift bags. Belmont Savings Bank introduced the car exhibit in 2011, giving proud uh, area collectors an opportunity to show off their pristine cars. The cars will be in front of the Belmont Savings Bank and along Moore Street in Belmont Center. Participating cars will be displayed in the Monterey style, parked, uh, parked angled to the sidewalk. The show will run, the car show will run from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Attendees will also have a chance to enter the cash cube adjacent to the Belmont Savings Booth, where they can try their luck at catching flying dollars, running from 10.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. Participants may enter the cash cube uh, with up to $500 being donated to the Foundation for Belmont Education. The bank is also sponsoring a first annual gift card giveaway. Belmont Center merchants have donated a total of 20 gift cards valued at $25 each to be awarded to people who enter online. And now on to my colleague, Claire. Thank you, Bob. Faith Has a Place in the Good Times Too by Joe Fitzgerald of the Herald. While watching Prince Harry take Meghan Markle as his bride Saturday morning, lots of thoughts popped into mind here, especially when the most reverend Michael Bruce Curry turned loose the preacher within him, mesmerizing that stodgy white bread congregation with a stem-winding sermon unlike any ever heard in the stately Windsor Castle sanctuary, at least not with the royal family looking on. For 13 riveting min minutes, the Chicago-born leader of the Episcopal Church let it rip, infusing his words with a passion usually found in black and evangelical houses of worship, where church is a verb as well as a noun. At first, his listeners seemed taken aback, but then, as heads began nodding affirmatively, you could sense the emergence of an appreciation that assured Curry his message was right on target and quite appropriate for the occasion. Did he get to you, too? Not since the stirring days of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., has a worldwide audience been publicly exhorted from Scripture in such spellbinding fashion. It would be hard to suggest anyone stole the show from the breathtakingly beautiful bride, especially with that jarring history of mixed heritage and family dysfunction she brought to the altar. But Curry sure came close. If you found yourself remembering King's oratorial oratorical brilliance, you were not alone. He even invoked King's favorite verse of scripture in which the lowly prophet Amos envisioned a day when judgment would run down as waters and righteousness as a mighty stream. Given that these were the nuptials of the Tonius clan on earth, the only thing more surprising would have been 
hearing the queen shout, Hallelujah. And maybe that's the point. Since King, can you think of any political or cultural leader in American public life who directs our attention to scripture other than those who offer mawkish assurance of thoughts and prayers when evildoers break our hearts? And that doesn't count because almost everyone, quote, gets religion when savagery or natural disasters traumatize our everyday lives. Perhaps it also occurred to you that while this handsome couple was swapping I do's across the pond, Americans were once again preparing to bury innocent high school kids, this time in Texas. Make no mistake, Curry was speaking to us too. Like King, he was reminding Harry, Megan, and the rest of us that faith has a place in good times too and that it's okay to proclaim it. We seem to have forgotten that in today's America and how wonderful it was to have been reminded by a black pastor in a British church of all places. And that's it for this week. Over to Bob. Along with my colleagues Claire and Bob, we thank you for listening to the Talking News and hope you've enjoyed the show. We will return next week for another edition of Local News Happenings Around Belmont.